the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to God's justice and righteousness, they end up colliding right there on Calvary, on a tree. That is what we are exploring today here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. So how can God be just and righteous at the same time? Well, that is what we are exploring as the Apostle Paul explains it for us here in Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Today, we're back in Romans looking at God's justice and righteousness. With this edition of Abounding Grace, once again, here's Pastor Gary. For if the casting away of them, the Jews, be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead or from the world? For it is, for if the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, talking about Gentiles or talking about us, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, In other words, they were cut off from the tree. They were the natural branches, but Jesus, the master gardener, came even though we were consigned to unbelief, and he grafted us into the tree. Verse 18, boast not against the branches, but if you boast, you do not bear the root, but the root thee. Thou thou will say then, the branches were broken off, you stupid Jews, that it might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear, he says. In Hebrews 4, chapter 4, verse 1, Paul makes the same argument. Now, we ought to look at the entire chapter here, but I'm going to have to resist that temptation because we do not have time. But remember, he is writing to New Testament Christians, sweet, giddy New Testament Christians. Hebrews 4.1 Let us therefore fear, let a promise, lest a promise lift, left us of entering into the rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us the gospel preached as well as unto them the Jews. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You see, there's no question of God's faithfulness to us. It is our treachery. It is our unbelief. It is our hard hearts. It is our ingratitude. If God's word is so precious, if circumcision was so wonderful, why did the Jews turn away? Oh, beloved, it was because of unbelief. If God did such a great work in this country and its founding days and brought so many Christians here and there were national days of prayer and fasting and Early on, even presidents made comments like this from George Washington. The birth of Jesus is the most important day in the history of the United States. 
And I could go on and on with that. But what happened? Well, maybe we became too pietistic. Certainly we became too prideful. But there's one thing we absolutely did do as, Christian, as a Christian nation, which explains the whole history of the United States for 200 years. Unbelief. We do not tremble before God's word. We early on in the 1800s wanted revivalism, or may it better be said as feelingism. And then we wanted a social gospel. Then we wanted a type of post-millennialism different than ours, not tied to evangelism and the gospel, but applied to a American exceptionalism. So you have the church supporting the slaughter of Indians. So you have the church supporting all kinds of government handouts, welfare, and great society programs. Because we did not stay believing, trembling, grateful, humble before the word of God. And we cannot change the past 200 years. So moving forward, we need to be high-minded and fear. Because our God is a consuming fire. And when he gives us his word, he shows us that he loves us. And that he is our father. And he smiles at us and says, I'll forgive you. I'll draw near to you. I'll walk with you. I'll dwell with you. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. I'll comfort you. I'll make the heavens rain down righteousness upon you. And I give myself to you. And I'll hold nothing back. But if we receive his blessings and we receive baptism and the Lord's Supper and his word and we just go on our own way and say, well, my husband's just a jerk. So I didn't want to listen to that sermon. My wife, boy, I have to go home and eat the slop that she feeds me. I'm not going to listen to this at all. Or I may listen to it and it may make me fleeting, give me a fleeting impression but it doesn't materially change me. It doesn't materially confront me with the majesty of God. That is unbelief. And my friends, it will be judged. In fact, it is being judged. That's what we are seeing in our land. Unbelief is being judged. But we can go one step more. Back to Romans 3 verses 5 through 8. We can go one step more into this hallowed precinct of his majesty because we need to tremble before him. I know I need to. I don't want casual and low views of God before whom angels cover their faces and their feet. Paul says here in verses 5 through 8, But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? He says when men are unfaithful, it actually reveals God's faithfulness and righteousness all the more. Let's bring this closer to ourselves. When we do not believe God's word and are judged for our sins, God still fulfills exactly what he promised. He still does exactly what he said he was going to do. Though there are people like in our text who would object and say, it's not fair for God to punish those whose wickedness manifest his glory. How can God judge wicked men? When in punishing them, he shows his justice and he gives glory to his own name. You know, when we make that kind of comment, we fail to remember that God's word is a two-edged sword. Grace is not a blank check that we can just live as we please. 
When God gives us His word and circumcision, He hedges it about with warnings, just like circumcision. The cutting away of the filth of the flesh is no subtle a reminder that the soul that sins, it will die. Baptism, if we bring in Noah, water that cleanses can also drown you in the judgment of God. The Lord's Supper, if we partake of it without faith, we are drinking poison because we can't partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. So God's word is a double-edged sword. It is filled with warnings that will chastise us if we spurn his word. So God is keeping his promises when he judges those who receive his word with an unbelieving heart. Now, His faithfulness to do this is hard for us because we are concerned about old number one, which is me. I'm self-focused. I don't like to think about the fact, wait a minute, God is giving glory to his own name by punishing me? That's not fair because I'm bringing glory to his name. He should thank me for being this being the occasion of manifesting his justice. That very thought made Paul shudder. Notice at the end of verse 5. Is God unrighteous who takes vengeance? He says, I speak as a man. Every godly heart shudders before such a thought. In fact, let me say it like this. Every believing heart that is humbled by God's goodness and justice says this. Let God send me to hell forever for my sins rather than one spot of unfaithfulness or injustice be attributed to him. And there are two men in the Bible who had such thoughts. Moses was one. God was about to wipe out the children of Israel for their unbelief, and justly so. And it would have been totally just for God to have obliterated the entire nation right there. But Moses said, God, don't do this. He said, blot me out. Send me to everlasting hell. Judge me, but don't judge your people because it will be a blot on your name if you don't keep your promises. Paul does the same thing later in Romans. He says, I wish to God that I were condemned rather than God failed to keep his promises to his people that he foreknew. This is the attitude. It's not well. It's hardly fair for God to give glory to his own name and punishing me for his sins. That's not fair. He's building himself up. He's getting credit in the meantime by inflicting judgment on me. Paul says, even if that were true, let him. It's not true, but better for me to go to hell than one spot, one blemish be thought of God's faithfulness or justice. And then he says in verse 6, moreover, if it were true, How could God judge this world? He says again, God forbid. How could could God judge this world? You know, God takes it as as a given that God's office is to judge this world in righteousness. And there can never be a question that his sentences are all just. And his judgments are the very standard of what is rightness. But you know, hard hearted. Verse 7, hateful men are still going to respond. But wait a minute. If God's truth is actually magnified, abounding through my life, in other words, the Jews lied against God and thus fulfilled his word that he would judge them if they turned away from him. 
Paul is dealing with people who must have brought this stuff up or forward to him. And then he said, well, then God must be unjust. Uh, because my lie is against his truth. The Jews' lie is against the truth. And they refuse to believe it. So then God turns around and judges them. God gets to fulfill his word because they rejected his truth. But the Jews say, God is unfair to judge. Now Paul responds here with such an abhorrence. Also with a curse. A holy curse. Of course, all curses are not evil. He says, well, then let's go all the way with this thing. If we're going to take God to court like this, let us just say, let's do evil then that God, that good might come. Now, that might seem like a strange conclusion. But the reason Paul does this is because this line of reasoning is so abhorrent. abhorrent. Wait a minute. God is getting glory by punishing those who disobeyed the truth when he told them he would. So he actually is receiving praise and honor and majesty. And the angels are singing to him because he is judging the wicked. But they say, he's getting praise. It's not fair for him to judge me since he gains from it. So Paul says, well, let's go all the way. Let's all do evil that good may come. Some actually reported according to verse 8, that this was Paul's view of grace. Paul calls it slander. He says, that's not my view of grace. He says, the fact that God is righteous when he judges sinners and that his word is vindicated when he judges them does not give men any room to escape because we are the ones who have broken covenant with him, not him with us. When we have his word and his sacraments, but we refuse to be humbled, the judgments that magnify his righteousness are justified. Listen, he receives all the glory for condemning ungrateful sinners, and we receive all the blame. By the way, we oftentimes on earth want family members to come to Christ, and we pray and plead with them to come. But understand, pain, brethren, will one day go away whether those are saved or not. Because we will stand, says the Holy Spirit, and watch God throw Satan and the wicked into hell, and there will be no, oh, no, it will be said, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, who will not honor and fear your name. Revelation 15:3. Now we ought to tremble before such a God. You must be asleep if you are not trembling. That we serve a God who gets all the praise for condemning sinners and we get all the blame. We should be led to say when we encounter Paul's argument here that there is no hope for me before such a judge except to fall before his mercy. There's no hope for sinners before God who keeps his word so perfectly. There is no hope. If you are without Christ and you die in an unrepentant state, there is no hope for you because he is absolutely just in all of his ways, wholly faithful to his word. He will condemn those who do not look to his son. Our only hope is to plead his mercy and look to the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the holy, 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 righteous, just, and faithful God. Now, how are we to apply this to ourselves more broadly? Let me just make a few comments and we'll close for today. We live in God's world. And there's no hiding place 
even though sinners certainly are always seeking them. Let me tell you what true piety is. In the light of these verses, it is justify God and condemn ourselves. That is piety. Justify God for he is righteous in all of his way. Myself, I'm a liar. I am unfaithful. And I condemn myself and I justify him. Whatever God does, beloved, is just simply because he does it. There is no standard of justice higher than his own actions. And if we lie against his truth like the Jews did, if we receive his sacraments without humble broken hearts that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we are judged for that, the glory of God's justice does not give us any reason to plea that God is not being fair, that he is unrighteous. To use that argument like these did here is detestable. It questions God. It calls God to an account and is a sure sign of unbelief. And Paul says in verse 8, one may well say, if you are going down this line, if you're going down this line, God is not fair. You may as well say, well, let's just do evil that good may come. And you know, oddly enough, there are people I know who have done that. I have heard directly from men who have said, you know what? I just went ahead and committed that sin because I knew the farther I went down to the abyss, I was that much closer to mercy. But they further slipped into apostasy. And there are those who don't say it, but act that way. That's, ex that's actually called Baal worship. Because Baal worship wasn't about Asherah and Asherim. Bell worship was about the spirit of the human heart that plunges itself into chaos in order to find meaning. And there are those in the broader church today that don't go that far. But nonetheless, they make grace so cheap, so easy, and say, hey, we may say and sin a little bit and even get perilously close to ancient bell worship. But no matter Oh, we still celebrate our sonship. We need to guard our hearts. Our hearts are dark dungeons and filthy cisterns, just waiting to spew forth any kind of excuse to escape from the righteousness and justice of God. But understand, we learn from these verses that God will not be mocked. He is always faithful. He always keeps his promises. So I'm going to give myself to him. I'm going to cling to his word. You know he'll keep it. God is just. Let me haul myself before him. Oh, do it now, beloved. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11:31, if we judge ourselves, we will, be not, we will not be judged along with the world. I'm going to go before him now. I'm going to plead my sins before him now. I'm going to confess them now because he is faithful and he will forgive. He has given his oracles to me and you today. He's about to let, let us take the Lord's Supper if we are his because he is faithful. There's no hiding, no excuses, no blaming him for my sins. The Lord Jesus took that whole cup of wrath I deserve on himself, showing us that God is faithful to his word. And there's no other way except the sacrifice of the Son of God. And if we do not run to the Lord Jesus today, neither will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. 
Then there's one other thing I'd like to bring to your attention today. I mentioned it earlier, but let's think about it again for just a minute. We need to learn to tremble before God's righteousness and his justice. These are words that are easy to say, but they are hard to put into practice. Now, understand when I say tremble before God's justice, I'm not forgetting Romans 8.1, that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But Paul, who had been caught up to the third heaven, says trembling there, his very soul was shaking at the very thought that anyone would question the righteousness and the faithfulness of God. What about our hearts? Unless we tremble before God, we are never going to hate sin. We forgive ourselves much too easy today because we have such low views of God. We're never going to hate sin and we will never give ourselves truly and freely to Him with sincere faith. We will not honor Him and grow in that. I'm not questioning any of you that you want to honor Him, but we will not grow in it and make progress unless there is a little bit more seriousness in our hearts and our minds that God is righteous, that He is faithful. I can trust Him. Let me give myself totally to Him. And that leads us right back to this last thing. It is at the cross that we learn to tremble more than any other place. We see how faithful God is to His Word there. He said it all the way back at the beginning. The seed of the woman will come and he will crush the serpent's head and Christ will be bruised by the serpent. All the way through the prophets we read there is only one mediator. There's only one sacrifice for sin. And we look on the cross and we see him being so humbled. We see him in the garden leading up to the cross. Undone, Father, this cup of justice, this cup of faithfulness, this cup of righteousness. I know you will never break one word of all your promises. So I've got to go to the cross. I've got to go. For you will never break one word of your promises. You will always be faithful and just. That right there is really the foundation of all the right views of God. And it is also a tremendous encouragement. Am I afflicted today? Are you? Am I being chastened? Are you? Is my family struggling? Is yours? Do I live in a land being judged? Am I horribly sick? Do I feel God's heavy hand upon me because of my children and my spouse? What is the attitude of a Christian to be? Though he slay me, yet... I will trust him. That was Jesus on the cross. Though he slay me, I will hope in him upon whom I was cast from my mother's womb. And where is the Son of God now? His hope has been realized and he is exalted and extolled and very high. And he says to you, disciple, believer, you hope in God too. You trust in his faithfulness too. You believe he is righteous too. When he gives you his word, oh, he means it, beloved. He wants you to love him above all else, to enjoy his blessings upon the totality of your life. Oh, give yourself to him totally. He's always righteous. If you look to his promise and you believe that promise, he will forgive you and cleanse you from all of your rebellion. If you struggle as I do,
And we, if we need help in this world and we take the bread and we take the cup, Jesus says, it is communion in my body and my blood. Take heed. My flesh is meat indeed, and my drink is, is my blood indeed. I will feed you. And oh, he means it. What a faithful God. What courage we should have. How much we should pour over these oracles he's given us. God is faithful. We may not always see it, but we don't have to see it. Because he has spoken, and he is just And he is righteous in all of his ways. He is my rock and my refuge. My Savior trusted in him wholly. And so will I. Worthy are you, O Lamb of God. Let me love you more for taking my judgment upon your back. And for showing that you are faithful and just. And there is no unrighteousness in you. May God give us a maturing faith. That completely trusts in his righteousness and his justice. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org. And if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org. Or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.